if I am asked casually in the street by a passerby, a friend or not, what are you studying? What are you doing? And I'd say, I'm investigating Tupfer. They might answer, who? Tupfer? Who is that? And I would, in a few words, answer, only the inventor of the modern comic strip. Thank you for tuning in to The Global Novel. I'm Claire Hennessy. In the winter of 1831, when Goethe was feeling a little blue, one of his lawyer attendants, Frederick Soray, placed some illustrated manuscripts by a taciturn Genevan scholar into Goethe's hands, attempting at a therapeutic distraction. Thankfully, the gamble paid off. Goethe found the book very amusing, as it gave him extraordinary pleasure, though he chose to take this pleasure in small doses so as not to suffer an indigestion of ideas. Sorry also noted that Goethe thought the Genevan sparkled with talent and wit, and if he did not have such an insignificant scenario before him, he would invent things which would surpass all our expectations. The Genevan in question was Rudolf Tapfer, the inventor of comic strip. With me today is Dr. David Konzel, professor of art history at UCLA from 1976 until his 2009 retirement. Professor Konzel is a prolific author and one of the founding fathers of contemporary comic scholarship. Among his writings on popular political and public art, he is best known for his compilation and translation of Tapfer's comic strips named Rudolf Tapfer, The Complete Comic Strips, along with his monograph called Father of the Comic Strip, Rudolf Tapfer. Hello, David. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk about one of my favorite topics, which lay a little in my distant past, speaking from now, but uh, which abide with me. So David, when Goethe attempted to describe what he found so revolutionary in Tapfer's work, he primarily observed that the uh, sequential pictures suggest movement, which I quote him, freezes and unfreezes in the spirit of imitation. So it is in this kind of awkward but prescient observation that Goethe nails the strange mechanism Tepfer had stumbled on and finds metaphoric resonance with one of his own utterances, namely, architecture is frozen music. So I wonder how you would summarize Tepfer's overall mechanism. First of all, Tepfer discovered that his way of sketching very sketchily and showing it to people made them laugh. He had a way of turning this all to comic effect. And he began scribbling the beginning of a story, which became the middle of a story, and the end became a whole story. And allowed or encouraged even the students in his class, he was a schoolmaster by profession, to take a peek at what he had drawn and they laughed loud. And soon they were followed by Tupfer's friends, the intimate circle in Geneva, which was a very educated circle, and admired already this man for his writing abilities. They admired Tupfer already for little prose pieces he had written, and they discovered that he could also draw in this novel fashion. Brilliant flighty sketches which were constantly in movement and nobody had been able to do that in sequences of drawings inspired perhaps by Hogarth who of course did not do sketchy series of drawings but very finished ones 
Töpfer, by contrast, left them in sketchy form. And this was quite revolutionary. Tepfer's essay on physiognomy, written in the year 1845, attempts at theorizing the、uh, basic principles to visual storytelling and line drawing. As he wrote, here I quote: "The faces you doodle are, after all, alive. They talk, laugh, and cry. Before you know it, you have on the paper a whole society within whom you can converse. Almost invariably, one discovers too that if." Some of these patterns are thrown together. A diverting scene can ensue. So you bring them together and add others. Find a scene that went just before. Devise the next, and there you are on the road of making a picture story. Unquote. Elsewhere, he wrote. Here I quote: "The drawings without the text would only produce an obscure meaning. The text without the drawings would mean nothing. It is their combination that forms a kind of a novel." Unquote. Could you enlighten us on how the concept of line drawing came about? What does it mean exactly? What elements lay at the core of Tepfer's storytelling rhetorics? We know quite exactly how and why Tepfer developed this sketchy line drawing effect, which undergirds all of his picture stories. While he was at the same time doing different kinds of drawings. <laughs> Landscape and characters and all sorts of subjects, but the picture stories are in this characteristic line drawing and dessin au trait in French. By his late teens, Tupfer, expecting to go perhaps to an art school to、uh, refine his natural talent for drawing, discovered he had weak eyesight. Which could not endure continuous work, exacting work on the page. As he tells us himself, very movingly, I found that it was only when I allowed my pencil to take off of its own accord to fly off in any direction it wanted. It was only when I let the pencil loose on the page that I could create the characters and the adventures for those characters that would become a graphic novel at its best. Graphic novels can be very, very long, but for Tupfer, they were short, up to seventy, eighty pages. But certainly, that was more than anyone could manage in the nineteenth century. And the line drawing was much admired for the effects it could produce of immediacy and spontaneity, and previsibility and foreseeability of the adventures that these characters. And the way they get each other, they get themselves mixed up. This <laughs> wonderful way in which Tupfer mixes his characters literally by changing their clothes or changing their actions, constantly shifting is one of the extraordinary things about Tupfer. Is where the way the geography melts in front of our eyes. You don't know where people are quite. You know what they're feeling and thinking and doing, but you don't know where they are. That is magic. The other element is, as the very term of the treatise he wrote to explain this essay on physiognomy, it's actually in French physiognomie, in English, just essay on physiognomy.、Uh, starts really with faces.、Uh, what are these faces? What are these heads? What are these expressions portend? 
Tupfer would draw a single funny face and he realised, hey, this is a kind of funny face which is going to do crazy things. You know? This, for instance, is a man who's going to be henpecked by his wife when it comes to the education of his children. I can see that in the very face that I have scribbled without even thinking what I is doing. This is a face which had character, peculiar and often ridiculous and adventurous, which I could throw about in my imagination and generate laughter. The comic strip is always about adventure. The comic strip, to engage in the variety and fun and unforeseeabilities of the adventures that the hero got engaged in, and how the other characters enter into those adventures as well. This is a matter of letting your imagination run free. You just uh, loosen the bridle and you maybe you imply the spurs if need be in order to make your imagination run faster, but you have to let it go of its own accord, as it were. So the idea of the term the unconscious which Tupfer is very sparing in the use of. But the idea of the unconscious taking over, which is very much part of our psychology today and very much part of the modern novel, which is so often psychological in the deepest sense, or a series of psychologies of different characters. This is really embedded in Hogarth's narrative method. And the glory of it is, is that you never know where he's going. Tupfer, take one example. They've taken off their clothes a swim in, in a river, and somebody's going to pick up those clothes and pretend to be them, or pretend to be somebody else at any rate than they were before they found these clothes by chance and left their clothes behind, which are then picked up and put on by the, uh, the swimmer when he gets out of the water and finds himself um, mistaken for that character. Which leads to hilarious mésentente. Right. Well, who has thought about a once low-status art form so looked down upon that it has to circulate underground can one day win the heart of a million? In your monograph on Tapfer, you mentioned that even though Tapfer had to sell his picture stories underground, they did gain him traction during his lifetime, enabling him to make a few bucks out of these little books. However fearful Tepfer was of retribution for indulging in such tomfoolery as character, and how, however worried he was about how it would weigh on the career of a freshly minted university professor, he nevertheless grew cautiously bolder after Goethe's encouragement, right? Um, passing out his hand-drawn books to select aristocrats until it was generally known that the GV the Genevan RT was the author of those amusing picture books that everyone, especially Goethe, Goethe was talking about. One of the original manuscripts even includes a handwritten exhortation to the following words, please avoid crumbling, dirtying, or pulling the pages about, being careful to turn only by the edge. So how did Europe and particularly Goethe become instantly smitten with type Tapfer. 
especially concerning that Goethe is one of the greatest literary figures at the time, who represented and endorsed really the serious undertone of European academia. Is it by chance? Did Tapfer get famous because of Goethe? How did Tapfer's silly characters, let's say, even manage to make it all the way to Weimar? Well, Goethe represents much more than the serious face of the academy. He was a man of the greatest versatility, and even one of his best-known, best-translated productions, like Faust, is full of humor. It's not embedded in humor like Tupfer would, stories would be, but there is a humorous slant to quite a bit of writing in Goethe, and he certainly enjoyed a joke. He certainly was looking out, this is an important point, looking out perhaps for somebody who would take humor serious, more seriously than even than he who appreciated it, but did not deploy it in the way, in a consistent and deliberate way that Tupfer did. He was looking for somebody to take literature in a different direction at the time. He saw himself as a sort of sponsor of new talents, as detecting the marshal's baton in the knapsack uh, of the general. I mean, that's a figure of no account, as he certainly was for the world at large, like Tupfer, a little schoolmaster in Geneva could make a new army of thoughts, of thinking, out of these small beginnings. And by skillful manipulation of them, and also by skillful dissemination of them, because Stupfer did not publish in the normal way, he had his drawings put into lithographic form, and then published by himself at his expense, but at an expense which was actually very profitable to him, because he figured that the cost of one album to him was one franc, perhaps, that cost paper, and not much more. And he was able to sell these little books, and they are quite small booklets, all his eight or seven or eight comic strips are quite small bulk, 80 pages at the most, and they could be sold for 10 francs, which was the price of a well-made album by a major artist at the time. And you, of course, David, have held these original volumes, many of them in your hands, just like you might have spent a couple of francs in buying one. And I heard that all those books, uh, the archival of Tapfer papers, have all gone recently to the Getty as bequests from you. Is that right? <laughs> uh, the first editions of Tapfer have become highly desirable articles on the market, very seldom appearing on, on, in the market. And when they do, fetch in extraordinarily high prices, you know, it's uh, in five, occasionally even six figures. But the subsequent republications are what you can find in, in the general way, which have been republished in collections and which are still original tepfers. They're not degraded. And one of the advantages of line drawing is that it reproduces well compared with other kinds of more academic drawing where the lines tend to get blurred. And the Getty, yes, uh, very happily... Uh, I hope it made them ha as happy as it did me to release to such an institution uh, these, this huge collection 
of Töpfer editions and related materials because he did all kinds of other work, novels he wrote himself, for instance, that Töpfer's entire oeuvre is now well represented in the Getty, which before I gave these books really didn't know who Töpfer was, and now they do. Go, little book, and choose your world for crazy things. Those who do not laugh, yawn, and those who do not yield, resist, and those who reason are mistaken, and those who would keep a straight face can please themselves. So, how should we understand this preamble that begins with each of Tepfer's story? This is Tepfer's way of warning you that odd things, impossible things, and outrageous things are going to happen in this story. And you can't apply the normal criteria you would to any piece of fiction. This is something new, which demands new criteria and a new attitude to them, and a readiness to laugh at anything, a readiness also to take on board impossible things that are happening all the time in this story, including the scientific parts. Which I'm thinking that Goethe, particularly as a himself an amateur scientist, would have appreciated in particular. He used it as a kind of signature on books which he did not sign with his own name. Occasionally, he put R.T. below drawings, and it was known generally who the author was. But he didn't claim authorship himself. It's as if the characters sort of invented themselves. Quite a good description of their behaviour. The behaviour of people constantly reinventing themselves as they go along, and also he was perhaps anticipating opposite reactions to his stories. Some are going to say, "Oh, this is just too silly for words. This is not the sort of thing that my children should be reading." If the albums came into the hands of children, as they did, they were acquired one way or another by Tupper's friends, who would pass them down the line. Among their children, among their, their clans, shall we say, handed around at parties and given to people who uh, perhaps had gone, were at a party and couldn't find anything else to do than leaf through Tupfer album, which happened to be lying on the table. What is your favorite character among all of Tupfer's picture stories, and why? That's difficult to answer because they're all so good. The characters are all so different. It's frequent the name of the story given to the story, like Monsieur Pencil. Pencil starts with a figure who has made a drawing, which is swept away by the wind into the atmosphere, and this becomes a way into complete, strange, nubious, cloudy realms into different weathers, and this drawing is going to send us into strange parts of experience. The best-known character is probably Monsieur Cryptogam. Which is the one album which the verses were redone completely in Dutch for the Dutch market, and to this day it is the only Tupfer story that everyone's heard of. Ask any Dutchman, what did you think about Monsieur Cryptogam when you had it as a child? He said, "Oh, yes, of course I had it as a child. Everyone had it as a child. It was marvelous." 
So CryptoGAR really was the most popular in the true sense of the word. It reached the most people, even if there were only children, succeeded with children. But if you look inside... If you have enjoyed this episode so far and want to listen to the entire episode, you can subscribe at theglobalnovel.com slash subscribe. Thank you so much for listening.